Stampede. Garner isn't number 25. the risks when you violate someone's trust. Trusting someone or something plays an important part in our lives. When you have trust, you can anticipate that what you hear is accurate. You can make plans on the future if you trust the terms of an agreement. That you can wake up in the morning and trust your car will get you to work that you can drive safely to work, that your company still employs you, that the food you eat will still be able to be found in your grocery store, that the air you breathe isn't harmful to your health, that the water you drink isn't contaminated. We believe in all of that and much more. We even claim we put our trust in God with the money we use. But I draw a distinction between trusting in a supreme being and what a government issues as a medium of exchange, a unit of account. Without trust, even our own physiological condition in life can be very painful. For years now, 
we've been working in outer space, a concept that relies on an enormous amount of trust. Leaving Earth depends on a lot of complexities, all involving trust. The failures of even the smallest detail can lead to catastrophic results. Living in outer space presents lots of challenges, not the least of which is the question of why are we leaving Earth? Very briefly, I've once seen the International Space Station passing in the night sky, and to see it silently passing overhead is amazing, knowing people are living there, moving around the Earth every 92 minutes. It's very inspirational to say men and women willing to risk their lives living on the International Space Station deserves our respect. Trust plays an enormous part in accomplishing that effort, that with flying in a scientific laboratory above the Earth at 17,150 miles per hour, especially with the shared responsibility of American and Russian astronauts aboard the station. That they're working together cannot be overemphasized. It has deep political implications. I'm a strong supporter of that cooperation. Of course, the big question is, why are we doing it? That is, why are we spending time and resources living in outer space? Well, putting aside the scientific achievements, at least for Americans, it has a philosophical explanation. We Americans believe we have a destiny. I can't speak for the Russians, but I can say lots of Americans believe we have a manifest destiny. And I think we trust in that idea that we're ordained as a country with a destiny. And exploration is a major part of that. There are probably millions of Americans that believe in exploration in outer space is a major part of our destiny. We trust in that. But recent information about what happens to humans living in outer space is beginning to be revealed. The facts are, humans may not be able to live in outer space for long periods of time. We as humans may never be able to leave our planet. Certain biological facts about what happens to the human body while living in the weightless vacuum of space says we may not be able to do that. And to speak openly about this, these obstacles, that is, our biological makeup, is not going to permit us to stay alive in outer space. It may be something we can never overcome. And if that's true, it may cause severe psychological consequences to our trust in a belief we have a destiny.
it's the psychology that may make us turn inward. We're capable of dealing with the failures of trust we see on a daily basis. In our consumerist world, when trust is broken, we believe we can deal with that. Even long-standing accepted values that have been violated. We can counter financial collapse, even military defeats, a bridge falling apart, a tornado's destruction. We can rebuild from those calamities and once again restore trust but to deny our destiny what we trust in may not be possible to restore. That can cause serious damage to a society. Consumerism promotes our faith in a destiny. It's relatively simple. It says, make profits and you can trust in your future. But our profits what makes us healthy? Can that be the basis for living? Of course it can't. I've been pounding the table, telling you the destructive effects of consumerism. Some people will say it's brought progress in achieving a better life for millions of people in this country. If we compare our lives to others, some will say it's undeniable. We have what some say is the highest standard of living, and statisticians can prove that. Some will say we have the best educational system in the world, but that's not true. Some will say we're a country of laws, but we have the largest number of people incarcerated in the world. Some will say we're physically the healthiest people. But that's not true. Our life expectancy has begun to decline. No, consumerism isn't the standard we should live by. And I'd have to say, we see daily evidence it's bringing serious mental issues like violence, suicide, greed, and deceit, that kind of behavior can produce distortions in our lives. But more importantly, consumerism extends beyond our own interactions. It goes beyond to the world that has no concept of what consumerism is. Consumerism is a major force in destroying the natural world.
And no matter your persuasions, what endangers the natural world will never permit us to live with a destiny, at least a destiny that can ever have any meaning. If you believe you don't need the natural world because you can make a profit, then you've been deceived into believing you have a destiny. Of course, the men and women who are building the artificial world won't allow you to see that. The artificial world is all about profits, and consumerism loves that. But guess what? That whole grade A milk you like to put in your multigrain cereal might not be readily available when you wake up in your high-rise steel and glass condominium. No, when you wake up to find those wholesome Holsteins on some dairy farm having come down with some mad cow disease, you can always turn to artificial intelligence to tell you not to think about that because there's a new product on the market to replace milk. So what if it has a lingering aftertaste of plastic? It has that refreshing smell you find when you get in a new car straight from the factory. Yeah, the oil industry is so good for you. Sure, your destiny is guaranteed. You don't have to worry about anything because the consumerists have got your back. Who wants cows anyway, except for when you're having a barbecue in your backyard? throwing on a slab of something slaughtered for your dining pleasure. Believe me, artificial intelligence doesn't want you to understand what it looks like slaughtering an animal for profits and rendering it so you can have something to eat. No, our destiny, our fate of a conveyor belt running nonstop with newly packaged meat isn't going to make you healthier. And you know what? It might not be mad cow disease that's the problem. It just might be the mad human disease. Yeah, living without the natural world could be driving you crazy. Oh, my God.
This brings me to our future with Triple G, a sex robot, and her lover. It's the future, and Garner isn't. And maybe that's a future that isn't going to work. Triple G is a product of the consumerist world, a world where men have been forced to turn to sex with a machine. And the consumerists love that idea because it supports the profit motive. It contributes to the economy. It's a sex machine that men want, an artificial intelligence that makes sex a cash register for the business of America. Garner is a natural man. But when women said they didn't need men anymore, he succumbed to buying a sex robot. But he taught Triple G important human qualities like the love of nature and fine art. Triple G became a mutant, and the environmentalists endorsed her to become a candidate for the presidency of the United States. To stop the extinction rate of animals in the natural world, Garner and Triple G are organizing a march for the Environmentalist Party. The degradation of the natural world is a result of the consumerist economy. Garner and Triple G are organizing the James Audubon Birds of America March on Washington, D.C.
And what could be more important? What destiny could be greater than to save part of the natural world? Triple G and Garner are fighting against a destructive force that is consumerism. And they found that there are millions of people in the future who want to stand up against that. The environmentalists have called for a crowd strike, an announcement for a march on Washington, D.C. It is the James Audubon Birds of America march to stop the extinction rate of birds in the natural world. And members of the Audubon Society in America have agreed to march. Museums of natural history have agreed to close their doors, sending employees to the march. Museums like the Museum of Natural History in New York City, like the Field Museum in Chicago, like the Smithsonian. There are thousands of museums of natural history in America, and in the future, they've planned to stand up and march for a destiny that includes the natural world. They, along with the universities, have pledged to march. The art schools have pledged to march. The March for Audubon's Birds of America, a march for a destiny. All sorts of people will come to the Audubon March in the future. Perhaps millions of people. This is where I have to interrupt the show. The James Audubon Birds of America March is in the future, and maybe that's our destiny. The environmentalists are fighting for what they believe the consumerists have done, and maybe that's not just our future. Maybe it's what is today. But the consumerists will use whatever force necessary to stay in power. This week on Garner Isn't, you first heard John Lennon's music from his 1971 album, Imagine. It's so hard. Then you heard Alexander de Platt's composition, Elisa's Theme, from the 2017 Academy Award-winning movie, The Shape of Water. Then a clip from Philip Glass's composition, Facades, and then from his opera Satyagraha, The Evening Song. Finally, Puccini's 
Turando. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.